You're listening to The Owen 60. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Owen 60 Pod for all the latest news from around the OHL. And now here are your hosts, Reese Dumaney and Colin Ward. We are back. Happy New Year to everyone. I hope the holidays were good to all of our listeners. And we had a few drinks as 2020 is gone. But everyone, I, f- I found that funny, Colin. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, Happy um, New Year, Reese. Oh, 2021, it's going to be so much better. Like, like, did you think a giant eraser was going to come out of the sky and just hey, erase COVID? 12, like, what are we doing here? 12.01 a.m. on uh, January 1st. It's over. It's over. And yeah, it just gets worse. Yeah, like, it's tough. I don't know. That's tough funny, to see. But, uh, yeah, tough to see. Now we're going into a state of emergency, which... Not fun. No, for an OHL season that's already postponed indefinitely. And then the WHL saying, oh, we're going to commit to 24 games at least. And it's like, no, don't say at least. It's going to be 24. Like, yeah, come on. 24 or less. Um, and then the Q, they've got their bubbles going. And I haven't really seen too much about the bubbles and what's yeah, happening in Quebec. So, you know, can't really go off of that, but uh, the NHL starting uh, today. Hey, that's exciting. The Leafs. Why does it always have to be the Leafs and Montreal? Like, yeah. Why does it yeah, I, know, I don't get that either. I understand, oh, original six rivalry. Wings and Hawks. Wings and Chicago's Hawks. original six. Yeah, like, hello. What are we doing? They have – I think the Hawks and Wings have one national broadcast. Next Sunday, I believe. It's in Chicago. Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, by the way, Mike Babcock, NBC analyst now. Do you see that? Yeah, I mean, okay. I know this is an OHL, but <laughs> this is hilarious. I, just, I mean, the OHL, we got to wait a while anyways. We might as well touch on yeah. it a little bit. Yep. Okay. The first thing I think about Mike Babcock every time I hear him talk is when he healthy scratch Medana. Before the thousandth game, oh yeah, that yeah, was yeah, tough. Yeah, yeah. It's, I don't know. I, I honestly, I'm very surprised NBC hired Mike Babcock. Just the way it ended. Yeah, but I think I, I think for a, that's almost a coin flip, right? You got to replace Mike Milbury, who I thought was a clown from day one. That was bad. Yeah, He's that got overboard there. Yeah, um, Mike Babcock upgrade, maybe, <laughs> not really. I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. Yeah, I don't know if it is. A, I don't know about his personality. Does I he know, have the personality right? to be for TV? Yeah, not really. He kind of mumbles, too. Yeah, Pucks in deep, and uh, Jeff Blaschel copies everything I do. and uh, Yeah, I put the card in front of my mouth, and I don't want to see anything. Uh, I got a marker. I coach awards. in Toronto, and we don't win. It's just Couldn't what do. happens. Lost in the first round three years, blah, 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 blah. I put Matthews and Marner <laughs> against each other, not together, blah, 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 blah. I play, I play my fourth line guy over Mitch Marner. My fourth line guy Remember plays that? 18. Called out Mark Masters. Austin Matthews plays 12. What's that? Remember, <laughs> geez. Remember when he called out Mark Masters for having dirty shoes? That yeah, the shoes. Awesome. Hey, Mark Masters could be like me from the country. <laughs> hey, I got the style now, though. I got the style there. The style. What style is that? I don't have dirt on my shoes. Oh, okay. I don't have the country style. Um, all right. So on from that, yes, the NHL is getting underway. The OHL, we're still waiting. Don't know what's going to happen. Uh, Pittsburgh, Philly, 530. That's a game. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Kick things eight, off. Yeah, 8 o'clock. 
Uh, Chicago, Tampa. That's better. Uh, you know what's happening? Win that game. <laughs> yeah. Come yeah. on. Uh, it's you never know. It's one game. You never know. Come on. Who, who's going to win that? <laughs> hey, it's tough. It's tough because both teams have broke our hearts. Being a being Wings fans, I guess. I'd go Tampa though. Thanks yeah, for Stevie. Why Tampa win like five to one? Really, five one first yeah. game. Oh yeah, Chicago hasn't played in a long time though. Exactly. Remember, hey, do you remember when I took Chicago to beat Edmonton? Yeah, and I think it happened. It did happen. <laughs> that, yeah, you don't remember that? Yeah, it happened. Corey Crawford. That's a long time ago. That was player. Yeah. Hey, did you see my tweet this morning or yesterday morning? That um, can't happen. We got to touch on that. That oh, can't happen. Oh, yeah, the Hall of stop, Fame. People, people need to stop saying Corey Crawford in the Hall of Fame. Like, oh, yeah, ASAP. That's, that's bad. No, Chris Osgood's a Hall of Famer before Corey Crawford. Drop the mic. See you later. Yep. Next subject. I wrote a report on it. Yeah, that's cool. My teacher you was Philip Pritchard. For that. What up, man? You're college. Co- right? You know, we went to Mohawk. So, yeah. Hey, yeah, I know. Can't all, can't all go to Mohawk. <laughs> what do you mean? I got into Mohawk the day I applied. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All right, <laughs> whatever. Say <laughs> low key um, cool. Yeah, just kind of give you a, what we got for you on tap today. Uh, World Juniors that happened a week ago today. Yeah. It was a dark day. Um, sad day. Yeah, sad Canada. day. Hey, uh, shout, shout out to Phil Thomasina who was phenomenal throughout the whole tournament. I think he was one, the, of, one of the top ten skaters in that tournament. That was such a dumb move to not to get to like to not put them on the top six, and then all of a sudden they split the lines up in the gold medal game, and then they get momentum. Yeah. Hello, Phil Tomasino well, is not your fourth line winger. When I was in on the eleven fifty morning show last week, and I said that I'm like, Canada lost yesterday because the Americans' top line was their best line, but Canada's fourth line was their best line. Yeah, you can't match up. Yeah, they had to spread that You're out. Not win. They had. You're going to beat Germany shorthanded by doing that. And you're going to beat Austria and, you know, Switzerland. But that's a problem with that whole pool, right? That whole pool. Canada really hasn't didn't hit adversity till that third period. Yeah. Well, I mean, before the third period, you could say in the first period when they scored that first goal and all of a sudden you're down. It's like, oh, no. Then yeah. You're hemmed in your own end yeah, for like multiple minutes. Because if you think about it, everyone made the argument about, oh, well, you know, they played Finland um, on their way to – the semifinals against Russia. I'm like, okay, big difference. Did anyone take a look at what the shots on goal were through 40 minutes? Did yeah. you really think that was a tough test for Canada? Like, come on. No. Canada Pierroinen played really well. That's why it was close, but yeah. that game wasn't close. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Finland did better than I thought, but I was surprised too that everyone was all over Canada for that, especially in the third period too. Yeah. In the third period where Canada kind of let up a little bit. I mean, it's tough to stay engaged, right, when you're all over the team and you're up by three goals. It's tough. For sure. And I think, I mean, you can even look at the Russian game. Did they really give Canada true uh, matchup? And obviously it's Russia. They were good. Askarov wasn't good. but Oh, yeah. Obviously they still put up a fight and it was still a tough test. But, yeah, we might get to that that a little bit later. But uh, Yaroslav Askarov. Tape your uh, hand to your stick. Yeah. 
what are we doing? <laughs> bench warmers. The bench warmers. Yeah. I got that wrong on the tweet. And you sent me you that did. text. I got that wrong on the tweet. It's not a sand lot. It's bench warmers. That was awesome. I look like Blah a moment. moment. You're good. You're good that. Yeah, I have a lot of long yeah. moments. Yeah, and then but he was whacking the uh, whacking the fielder. The best part is <laughs> he's be- Yeah, he's going to third base. Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine you're like, you around in third, you're going to home, go up to the catch, you're catching, just come in. I'm getting out of the way. Yeah, that was Or that you just go fun. low, or you just go low and you just take him out. Yeah, it's a dirty play, but you got to do there. Yeah, yeah, in Canada, against the U, or you're against Russia, 5 nothing. You can look at it and say five nothing. That game wasn't really close. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say it wasn't close. I wouldn't say it was a blowout. But uh, yeah. when you look at shots on goal, Russia did end up closing the gap a little bit. They got twenty eight shots. Yeah, they turned it on on uh, on Devin Levi. So it's not like they didn't, you know, fully not just give up. Like they did have a disallowed goal. And I honestly, I really like what I saw from uh, Pod Coles in there too for the Russians. You see that? That's one of the hardest parts about the tournament there. You saw how devastated he was there after losing to uh, yeah. Canada there in that game. Your gold medal contention's over. Mm-hmm. That's tough to see on a, guy, on a kid's face. But he had a heck of a tournament too for uh, Russia. Yeah. Yeah, in that game, Russians outshot 16-7 to by Canada. But then they outshoot the Canadians 13-9 to in that second period. And then Shots a little bit closer at the end as it was 10-8 in the final 20. But, uh, you know, again, it you you look at the goaltending by Askarov and you think, well, he really blew the game for them. And you can look at it from a different perspective of, perspective of wouldn't have made a difference. If he only gave up one, they still would have lost. Yeah. Because they didn't score. So, yeah, they I scored. hate that argument. Devin Levi. The goalie cost them the game and – or like in baseball, oh, the umpire cost them a game. Well, what was the final score? Well, we got mercied yeah. like twelve to one. Well, then when it was, it wasn't the umpire. Don't suck. Show like, up. Yeah. Show up. So yeah, uh, that whole argument that I had seen a lot of people put out there, not too many people, but there were a few where it was Askarov gave Canada that game and some of the goals. Yeah, probably. But yeah, exactly. Russia didn't it's score. Just... They scored one, but it was offside apparently. Yeah, was, what a challenge there. What a challenge. Um, yeah, what a cha- but, hey, what do you think of that offside rule challenge? I like uh oh the challenge itself on the offsides. I think it because that was the talk. That was the talk of the tournament. I mean, Ray Ferraro hates it because it just delays the game and it's an offside. I think I think it should only be used. And again, how do you how do you determine because you can't put it in and put it out because then it's just not as not consistent. Yeah, so, I yeah, just, I think it's I think it's fine. I think it's fine, but if you don't get it right, you get the minor penalty. Yeah, but I just I think it. I like the review because it's way they. It, honestly, it's the way the world is right now. Everything's on something. I uh, yeah, but still, like like what happened in that game? Russia had the puck for what fifteen to twenty seconds to thirty like around thirty seconds after the fact. Yeah. Whereas they, I can see if you're challenging like that Matt Duchesne play. Or if you're on a two-on-one and the guy on the left wing side passes it to the other guy, but, you know, it's a little bit off – it's offside. They're coming yeah. into the zone getting a quick shot on goal. Then, yeah, I can kind of see that, but I don't if, – if you look at it from goalie interference and with the amount of crap that's been getting, I mean, there probably shouldn't be goalie interference challenges either, but 
Um, it's, it's trying to make the game. I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to get it right and get the calls right. I understand that. But you're trying to make the game perfect. And I think that ruins it. And I think baseball is a prime example. Overdoing it. Yeah. So much crap in baseball. Some of it's and it dumb. slows the game down. Major yeah, League Baseball. Yeah. Major League Baseball put that rule in to speed the game up. And it actually made it slower once they put all these challenges in it. It's a lot. Yeah. Slower. So it's, again, no it's, difference. In my opinion, they're trying to make the game too perfect and trying to get and, every single little detail right. And it's, you look back and you think, Gordie Howe, Wayne Gretzky, and Bobby Orr are three of the greatest hockey players of all time. Yep. They never once – they probably did a few times. But they didn't have the luxury of looking back at it. And they – like, they didn't care too they much. They a bad call. They gave it to them, and the refs weren't soft, Whatever, so they on. didn't give them a penalty. Well, that's the problem. That's a problem with hockey nowadays, though, too, right? I mean, hockey nowadays, it's yeah. – oh, there's there's everything analytics are so yeah. big now yeah where it's oh i'm i'm entitled to get that call so give me that call review it kind of yeah with some exactly. players it is but yeah we probably shouldn't take too much time on this but um yeah let's kind of chat it about that uh, bronze medal game against against russia We'll flip to the gold medal game. I know it's a soft topic for some Canadians. Yeah, Finland worked, Finland worked their butts off in that game. Anton Lindell, uh, Brad Lambert. Brad Lambert's going to be a stud. It's weird. Eh? When you go through the Finn names, and all of a sudden you see uh, Brad Lambert. Brad Lambert. That's nice. That's nice. That guy's That's American. Nice Actually, he isn't. What? But, yeah. <laughs> I know, eh? Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I mean, in that bronze medal game, Russia seemed like they – didn't have control of the game, but they they seemed like they had started well. Uh, Igor Lirianov, I'm sure, was impressed by their start. They were up one nothing after the first, and then mm-hmm. Finland just I don't know decided to show up, and Russia just didn't didn't respond. They worked hard enough. Yeah, they, they worked hard enough, and they didn't earn themselves a medal. Whereas Finland, they did. They earned that bronze. I don't. I think when we uh, had Joel on before the tournament, we had them. Finland, what, five behind Sweden, probably? I think I had them five or four. Yeah. What? Fourth, I had them. I had had, Sweden ahead of them. I had Canada over U.S., and I think I had Russia over Finland. By the way, we both called it. USA and Russia both beat Sweden. The effect. And that that streak is over. And, hey, they can say whatever they want about that streak not affecting them. It definitely affected them. Because that game against the U.S., they came out so flat. You can tell that was a back-to-back after blowing yeah. a long winning streak. That happens so much in their kids, right? It's going to happen. That's the beauty of the tournament. I mean, a lot of teams aren't going to win that are favored because of that. Their kids, mentally. Mental mental errors in this tournament happen. It's going to happen in this tournament. It's just a team that can get over to them the fastest that wins. I mean, the U.S. had a tough first game. Next thing you know, they bounce back. Best team in the tournament wins the gold medal. Trevor Zegers, yeah. too. Yeah, and you can look at that game, though. You can look at that game and just see what kind of happened with Sweden. Yeah. And I know people are giving a lot of crap for um, the goaltending by Sweden. And I understand the first two goals, were they good? No, they weren't good. But the first one probably shouldn't have gone in. I'll give them that one. No. Second one. Second one was a snipe, to be you, honest. Yeah, you can look at it as – like, Hug your post. Like how many players are going to find the spot? Right? 
Look at the spot. Yeah, the spot yeah. to shoot that puck in the net was very slim. It was like the Arthur Cali of goal against Finland, too. Yeah. That was, that was nice. Yeah, exactly. And it's, again, who do you blame for the loss for Sweden? It's a team game. Tough to – The goal, unfortunately – Unfortunately, the goalie is going to hear it the most because it's just the net. It's just the nature of the position. But it's a team game. You could point fingers at the coach. That game against the U.S., the Raymond Holtz line didn't have a shift till the 1650 mark. So if your best line doesn't get a shift until three, three to four minutes into the game, that just sets the tone. I think when you're playing a team after a tough loss against, after a tough loss against Russia, I go out there and I set the tone right away. I throw my big boys out there and let them ride. I say, hey, you're playing 25 minutes tonight. Get out there. Let's go. That's yeah. what I would do. But, I mean, it's just opposite. And I think that's where Canada in that uh, semifinal game against Russia really took it to them. Off the opening draw, Newhook scores a beautiful goal. Yeah. That, they just they took it to hey, them. You know they what I didn't understand is why didn't Newhook just stop playing? You're right there. How did you not see it go in? Just celebrate yeah, like when you're like that close you're, to the net. You're standing right there. How could you not tell it went in? I think because a game moves so fast and you're really not thinking you're just doing, right? I think yeah, that's a big guess, situation. But yeah, hey, he'd be a good one to call out. Get a yeah, not bad. out of OHL uh, player on the show. Talk about the goal. Yeah. Because <laughs> honestly, not? though, yeah, I'd be interested to talk to him about that because it's interesting to hear about how he gets to the net and not know it goes in. I just figured the game moves so fast. You don't really know. You just kind of black out, right? It's like when you yeah. get hit, you just black out. You're in the moment. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm looking and we'll continue on the topics of Sweden for a couple more minutes here. But um, I think they lost that game against Finland because Hugo Almfelt. And I'm not here to call anyone out. On that winning goal for Finland, he could have easily – and I'm – I was never a goalie, so I may just be speaking and sounding like a moron. But in my opinion, I think he could have gotten at least to a point where he was in the butterfly and had his pad down. on the ice. Like he was yeah. on the ground for so long and made no attempt to even get up with the puck behind the net. Yeah. That's the thing. That's the new style goalie, though, eh? The new style goalie. Man, that's Hashik style. What do you mean? That ain't. That ain't. I know. That's Dominic Hashik. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess you want him in the butterfly instead of up. No, I mean like laying down and like doing all of that crap. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Hashik is all over the place. Hey, Askarov's kind of like that. (laughs) There's a little bit of ass. I mean. He's all over the place. Hey, the biggest rivalry in the tournament that I learned was in Max Baldwin from the Athletic, the Detroit Red Wings uh, beat writer, had a awesome tweet. So, Max, if you listen to this, thanks for that great tweet. On the first game of the year, Christmas Day, he tweets out, goal, the biggest rivalry in hockey, goalies versus playing the puck. I loved it. Because it, really, <laughs> it, it really was the biggest rivalry in the tournament. How many go- – you saw at least three or four bad mistakes by a goaltender playing the puck. Like you see it all the time, but that's like the biggest rivalry in hockey, to be honest. Goaltenders yeah. are playing the puck. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. But uh, shout out yeah. to Lucas Raymond and uh, Elmer Soderblom. Soderblom, man, tank, tank. 
I think he's going to fill out there with how tall he is. That's not he has fair. to fill out. He just has to fill out a little bit more. If he fills out in the bottom half, his upper body looks pretty jacked. Yeah. But I mean, his uh, if his lower body gets stronger. And I mean, all the euros were like that. They're the ones that started it. Yeah, like Thomas first came Hansen, over here. He like, was tall, but he was thick. Like he was. You're not moving big. him. You ain't seeing when no damn teach, six pack. Yeah, when you got treats from. No, you're seeing a six pack of beer after the game. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what's the Swedish style beer? <laughs> got to look that up. Sweden <laughs> trivia question. <laughs> Man, featured game, featured game in Sweden. Oh, I'd be down. That yeah, I'd I think we said that before. Yeah. Featured game in Sweden. Um, all right. But yeah, TV. those guys, though, just to catch on uh, Soderblom, once he gets like tree trunk legs, how it used to be for the Euros, yeah. if he gets like that where you can't move them, when they're in that base in front of the net, you're not moving them. You're going to draw a lot of penalties because yeah. guys are going to get frustrated and just hack and slash you. But yeah, great, great player. Yeah. Uh, on to the gold medal game, of course. Canada, zero, the United States, two. I don't know how much we want to really break this one down because it came down to Spencer Knight, who just not allowing any goals, and the top line for the Americans scoring twice. And, hey, like you said before, the biggest story that you mentioned before, the biggest was how the U.S. US top line outplayed Canada's top line. I I mean, Dylan Cousins would probably be the first one to admit it to you, that Dylan Cousins did not have a good game in that game. He didn't. No, so, that was not a good MVP type performance, which he was going for the MVP in this game. It was him and Zegras and the squad. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. I mean, it's tough, maybe mentally, as I got the dogs barking in the hmm. background. Shut up, but dogs. Yeah. Jeez. But yeah, I mean, it came down to that. I mean, mentally, you know, you want to, you have that edge with that other guy in the background. You got, you know he's there. You're going head to head for the gold medal. There's a lot on the line. Maybe maybe you fold under that pressure, but he picked it up near the end of the game. I thought cut the cousins line started looking good, but they need to switch it up. And I mean, it's tough, but Trevor Zegers was just elite in this tournament. Incredible. Yeah. He was incredible in this tournament. I mean, the passing cross crease. And also, like you mentioned, the fourth line for Canada can't be your best line. Yeah, Philip Tomasino and Ryan Suzuki. They're good players, but they weren't the best players. I mean, Phil Tomasino, yeah, Phil Tomasino should have been a top six guy, but it's tough. Hey, I would have thought put a you put New Hook, Mercer, and Tomasino on a line. Talk about a shutdown line, high tempo, a lot of energy. I like that you put guys with energy. Make the make those other guys play to your game, which is tough. Because elite players don't like playing, doing that. They like to have control, right? Yeah. That was tough. Yeah, well, and Trevor Zegras, most outstanding player in this tournament, MVP scoring title. He won them, and he closed out the scoring in the tournament um, pretty early into the second period, 32 seconds, <laughs> I should yeah. say, assisted by Hamilton Bulldogs forward Arthur Kaliev. And- Great tournament, too, for Arthur. Yeah. And hey, they said it right. It was nice to see uh, Gordon Miller. I know, eh? Yeah, but then they said Pierroinen wrong. They said Pierroinen. Oh, what did they say? Pierroinen. I've oh. always heard of Pierroinen. Again, yeah. He, he could have been. Oh, who are the numerous players in this league to change the pronunciations of their names? 
unique. There's one on Hamilton. Yeah, Jan Jenick for the first yeah. half year, and then it changed. Yeah. There's another one on Hamilton. I can't remember his name. Athanasiu was like that when he played for London Barry. Yeah. Because he went to the way it was, used to be like Athanasiu. Yeah. In London Barry. And then he went to Detroit and it was Athanasiu. Yeah. Um, Names are tough. Names are tough. That's what you ask. It's a grind. Yeah, that's what you ask him. Exactly. (laughs) Players might just try and screw with you. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, so that, again, before we end the segment here, final thoughts on the tournament. We'll focus on Canada in this one, but uh, for you, Colin, what do you take out of this tournament for Team Canada and any potential players that are able to return next season, or next tournament, I should say? Well, I think Devin Levi is a big big question. I'd like to see where he goes from here. Florida's still got to sign him. He's a seventh-round pick, I mean. Yeah. But if you look Spencer at Knight that at tournament, line, what do you think about that? Spencer Knight, Devin Levi, if those two play that way for the rest of their careers, and again, that's Hall of Fame stuff. Where, hey, where this could be – happen, but – Yeah, where Devin Levi could go Justin Pogge, right? Great goaltender, real yeah. junior level. I mean, Mark Byzantine as well, great Dustin goaltender. Tukarski. Yeah, a lot of guys, great goaltenders in this tournament. Yep. Great on their teams at colleges, OHL, CHL, it doesn't matter where they are. But it, this, this might be the biggest – two weeks of your life. I mean, for a lot of guys, it is, we'll see what he's like. I think he's got the, I think he's uh, dynamic enough. I think he's very uh, composed. He's feels his net well, which is nice. Yeah. So I think that helps him. He's in great positioning all the time. The pucks just hit him in the chest mm-hmm. and a lot of, I say right in front of him shots. Yeah. It's the puck stays in front. Of, keep it in front of you. And I liked his game a lot, but uh, it's tough to think. I, I really like Jack Quinn's game. I think Jack Quinn next year returns to this tournament and gets a letter and just lights it up. I think Jack Quinn's a huge part of the Hockey Canada future on this U20 team. And I think next year he comes back and lights it up. And I think, well, obviously Jamie Drysdale as well yeah. probably comes back and lights it well, up. You, you look at that. You mentioned Jack Quinn and Cole Perfetti is going to be a guy that's eligible to come back. Quinton Byfield, yeah. will LA send him back? There's a good chance that they won't depending on, you know, how he does in the NHL this year and next season. So he's kind of a question mark, but um, you think of a duo, Perfetti and Quinn, and the amount of progress Cole Perfetti made in this tournament was unreal. Like watching him on the power play, just moving the puck around, scored a couple on the power play, I think. Uh, I'd have to go back and check, but, yeah, you know, for him to be cut last year and still be – he got bigger, obviously, but – still one of the smaller guys and to shine like that and almost outshine some of the top Canadian players at some time. It was, it was really nice to see. And again, whether he gets his shot with Winnipeg this season or comes into training camp for the 2021, 2022 season and just starts lighting it up and makes the team, we don't know, but I think for Cole Perfetti, it's a matter of, Hey, you let me drop to 10 and this is what I can let me do. show you. You missed it. Yeah, let me show you. Hey, yeah, you uh, you pass on me. Watch what I can do. Love yeah. that. Yeah, the Phillips Phillips Adida. Adida effect. Yeah, hey, yeah. Fill yeah. their up. Fill their nets with nets pucks. up with pucks. Jeez, that was bad. Holy! I I actually messed it up too. Man, so we both go to the Zadina. Their... but then we both. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I know. And then we screw it up. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, time for a break. When we come back on the other side. It's been a while since we've had another voice on here that wasn't myself, Colin, or Joel. 
we're going to chat with Hamilton Bulldogs play-by-play man Reed Duthie. We'll chat uh, World Juniors, Arthur Kaliev, Jan Mishak, who played pretty decently for his team as well. Uh, we'll yeah. get to him calling the Memorial E-Cup with Brandon Scott, what that experience was like. And uh, Boston Bruins camp, Jack Stadnika. Fancy stick. Probably going to get one. We'll chat with him, see what he thinks about yeah. Bruins' chances this year in that division and what he thinks of Jack Stadnika heading into the new campaign. And we'll be right back here on the Owen 60 podcast. This is the Owen 60. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Owen 60 pod for all the latest updates and news from around the OHL. Welcome back to the Owen 60 podcast, along with Colin Ward. I'm Reese Dumaney, and we're pleased to be joined by another voice, a refreshing voice other than ours, uh, Reed Duthie, the voice of the Hamilton Bulldogs. Reed, Happy New Year, and uh, I know it's a tough loss for you yesterday for Ohio State. But, you don't got to uh, bring that up. You know, uh, uh, <laughs> the, OH, the OHL, we're hoping it's coming back, but uh, um, we'll start with something a little fun here. You did... You were part of the Memorial E-Cup yep. tournament that took place. You did play-by-play along with uh, Brandon Scott. So just what was that experience like doing video games, stepping away from a press box, doing it from your house, and seeing uh, virtual players on the ice? You know what? That was that was a whole lot of fun. Um, the, the first time I had ever met Brandon Scott was the, the day we started working together. So that was, that was interesting. Interesting. He, it turns out he's an awesome guy and he was great to work with. I, I had a blast with him. Um, being able to, to call it from a comfy chair in my basement was also really nice. Um, the, the whole tournament was great. The guys at uh, Vizion out of Quebec did a, a brilliant job putting this all together with the CHL. And uh, it was really, it was really an honor to be a part of it. And um, I, I've already told them that as they move forward, I would love to come back and do that again. Um, I started as a kid practicing by calling my own games on, well, at that point, I'll show my age. It would have been Sega Genesis, but um, <laughs> it just continued with that. And you know what? It's actually great practice for when you get back in the booth. So it was a lot of fun. I, I wouldn't have uh, traded that experience for anything. I, I really had a, a blast with that. Fast gameplay too. Eh? Like it's hard to like keep up with that because it's moving so quick in the video game. The whistles are short. It's like bang, bang, bang. It's tough to keep your breath. You know, that was the hardest part of it because they yeah. were playing at such speed. And I think in, in real time, the periods were three minutes and it was okay. just constant up and down the rink. And, you know, I'm trying to get Brandon in because I don't want him to feel like he's just <laughs> sitting there. And uh, it's you, so you hard. To, I know you try to bring him in in a whistle or uh, I pretty much gave him the whistles. As soon as the whistle blew, tried to give it to him. Try to bring him in like when the puck's in the neutral zone, but it was so fast. And uh, I think we got our rhythm, though. I, I really, I yeah. look back at a lot of the highlights in that, and I thought we did a great job considering oh. we'd never worked together before. Yeah, it was awesome. I really enjoyed it. We watched a few times before our show, yeah. like in the afternoon. We were recording at like four, and there's like a three o'clock game. We had a couple of games on before. It was interesting to watch. It's cool to see the personality come out of the players as well. I mean, you see their expressions after giving up a goal or trying to beat the other guy's system or something. It's pretty cool to see that up close and it's good for the fans to see as well. What made it all worth it was like what you guys just talked about right there. The fans loved it. Guys who know the OHL, like you guys really enjoyed it. And uh, the players enjoyed being a part of it. And uh, we loved doing the broadcast. So everybody had a great time with it. And I think that speaks to just what a job they did. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, with Reed Duthie, the voice of the Hamilton Bulldogs here. And a week ago, I guess tomorrow, the, uh, the Canadians fell short of a gold medal to the United States. 2 nothing was the final. And as we were talking about it during the first segment about uh, how good that top line for the United States was in that game compared to where, in my opinion, and kind of Colin agreed with this about uh, Philip Tomasino, Ryan Suzuki, and Dawson Mercer being one of the best, if not the best line in that game for Canada, which is where kind of Canada lost that game. But that top line for the Americans, Trevor Zegras, uh, Alex Turcott, and then of course, Hamilton Bulldogs star, Arthur Kaliev, they were just unreal in the entire tournament. What did you see from them that made them so effective for the Americans? You know, it was the blending of styles and you nailed it. That was the, the best line in, in the tournament. And when you watch them, Turcotte's a chameleon in the middle. He can play any style you want. He can play with speed. He plays with skill. He can do the 200-foot thing if you've got two offensively gifted guys with him. So you had no worries there. That's a solid center to start with. He already knows Kaliev. They've spent time together at the junior level and at Los Angeles Kings uh, development camps and, and training camps. And then you put Trevor Zegras, who's just taken his game to the next level, on that other side. And now you've got weapons because Turcotte can do it all himself, but he can deliver it off to Zegras who can score from anywhere at the junior level. And then some guy named Kaliev wandering around the outside. And the most dangerous thing is Turcotte and Zegras would lull you to sleep and they would take all your attention when they had the puck. And you saw that, especially in the game against Slovakia, Kaliev just appeared. And when he appears and you see him, it's too late. That puck is going to be in the back of your net. That goal against Finland there, I remember texting you after that. I was like, wow, I had like I had to reach out to you because that goal from Arthur Kaliev, I mean, it's not a surprise if you're an OHL fan and definitely a Hamilton Bulldogs fan, that is not a surprise he scored from that shot. And like how little he had to put the puck in that semifinal game to score, unfortunately broke the Finns' hearts. What a shot that was. Any surprises? And uh, what was your uh, expectations of uh, Arthur Kaliev coming out going to LA's camp? I say the same thing of what's going in, really. I mean, he's just so good. And yeah. you watch his game develop over the years. He's been with the Bulldogs. He, he is such a an elite-level talent. And I was not surprised that he shelved that. When he got that puck <laughs> on his stick, whether it's rolling, whether it's bouncing, yeah. if he can make contact with the puck, he can put it in the back of the net. We've seen him score just ridiculous goals from incredible angles. So I was just so happy for him that he got that big primetime moment to be able to show the world that this is what I do. And I know the Kings love him. The only thing with LA is they're so loaded in their organization that uh, the the bright thing for the Bulldogs is once we get an OHL season going here, we're very likely going to have Arthur Kaliev back just because at some point the numbers in LA, there's just two, they could have two teams. There's just too many guys. And they even have too many numbers for the American Hockey League team, it looks like. Because, I mean, for sure, I mean, if you have OHL rights or CHL rights or that matter, you're going to have to go back. Because, I mean, unfortunately, it's just too clogged for you. There's too many guys. I mean, Marcus Phillips did it last year on the back end. And, I mean, this year it's going to be up front like that, too. The same problem. Just look at the numbers, and it's just tough to fit in there. But Arthur Kaliev, he gets that puck off the sidewall. It doesn't matter how he receives it. He scores every time. Well, and you look at what – it could be this season with Jan Mishok in the middle, Arthur Kaliev on one side and Tag Bertuzzi on the other. And we finally saw with Tag Bertuzzi 
what made him a two overall pick. That kid is big. He's tough. He's physical. He's got a ton of speed. He's almost a blend. I joked with him about it last year. I said, you grew up with your dad in the NHL, and you're almost a blend between him and Marcus Nasland. You can tell that you, you can tell what line you watched growing up because he can just dance with the puck on his stick. And you put those three guys together, they're going to physically dominate. They're going to be the fastest line on the rink with Meshach and Bertuzzi, and Kaliev can score from anywhere. They are going to be quite possibly the best line in the Ontario Hockey League. Yeah, for sure. John Meshach, you look at him with the experience he got at the World Juniors as well. Not the point totals that Kaliev had, but still, he was the captain for his team. He was out there most of the high-stress situations, and uh, bringing that back to the Ontario Hockey League and to the Hamilton Bulldogs along with Kaliev and you mentioned Bertuzzi as well. Just what do you, how did you like his tournament? Again, under the radar, but still played a, played a pretty big, big role for his team. Loved it. Every time you saw the checks and somebody did something, it was inevitably Jan Mishak, whether it was a block, a great pass, uh, a clearance in his own end. He was all over the rink. And you saw the 200 foot game come out for Jan Mishak. The thing with the checks is, They didn't have the tournament they wanted this year, but they're the team to watch for next year because that team was loaded with O2s. And very likely, Meshach returns as the captain of what will be a World Junior veteran squad. They were already giving teams trouble. Imagine what those guys can do a year from now. Uh, They're going to be really dangerous uh, when they get moving uh, next year at the tournament. Meshach just, again, such a talent. He's a joy to watch. He's a joy to be around. He's a great kid. Um, next year, I think you'll see the numbers for him really explode. Back to that Bertuzzi, uh, Kaliev in a Mishak line. That reminds me so much of that London Knights uh, first line of Dvorak, Marner, and Tachuk because he got that Bertuzzi who's got that Tachuk factor like it game in him. He's got that sandpaper. I really like that. That'll be interesting to see. Well, and it's, it's pick your poison for opponents yeah. because that line can play any style you want. You want to play physical? Kaliev is not a small guy. Mishak is, is a, a, yeah, a bulldog. Yeah, Mishak's a bulldog at heart. I mean, he'll go into corners and battle. And Bertuzzi, uh, you better get out of the way because he will go through you. You can hear the train horn when he gets moving at full speed. He's a dangerous guy. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, when your dad is Todd Bertuzzi, I mean, you, yeah, you had to have learned it somewhere. And your cousin's Tyler Bertuzzi. <laughs> yeah. Who we get to see play all the time in Detroit. I mean, they're so similar. We saw Tag play live the first day, well, after the trade deadline last year in Niagara. He looks identical to what his cousin looks like around the net with the flow and everything. It was awesome. Yeah, and when you get him in tight to the net, there are very few with quicker hands. It yeah. goes so underrated with him. And I see him every day in practice. If you get to a shootout, he's money. That guy's got so many moves in the shootout, it's ridiculous. He's shifty, too. It doesn't look like he's a shifty guy until you actually see him play up close. It's like, oh, this guy's like, he can make you miss. Exactly, exactly. And uh, you Stronger those, feet. And, and guys, when you, you look at that and you say, well, that's a crazy first line, the next line that rolls over the boards has Logan Morrison and Avery Hayes on it. Like, yeah, this is, this is going to be a really, really deep team. Yeah, you look at it, it's almost unfortunate that the OHL and obviously the other junior leagues have really been able to get up and going and because of COVID and just it's, it's been almost impossible to try and get a league started. And for you, being a part of the team, being 
uh, in the offices, in the ranks on game day and everything. You see all these guys on a regular basis during the season. And you know, what, what goes through your head during this time, not being able to see them develop into young uh, men and, you know, great hockey players to try and get to that next level. Just it, it sucks. It really does. You know, it, it's, it's really tough. Um, obviously for me personally, cause I, I love my job. I love every day being a part of the Bulldogs organization and uh, what they do and, and the, the ways that they uh, develop talent. And it's just, it's a joy to be involved with, but for the players specifically, it's really hard. Cause I look at guys like Kaliev who, I mean, this year, would have been off the charts. Meshock, same thing. Tag Bertuzzi, who's finally passed those injury issues and now is on the verge of breaking out and earning a professional contract. And Artyom Grushnikov, who commits to the team and is yeah. dying to get to North America to play in the OHL. Uh, Jake Gravel, who's an OA this season, who I would love nothing more than for him to have a huge year and pick up a pro contract somewhere. Because again, one of the nicest guys you're going to come across. And you, you just look up and down the bench and the local guys who can't play in front of their friends and family right now, like a Mark Duart, who's going to be an electric player for the Bulldogs with the physical side. And each guy, you know, when I do the Bulldogs live shows and I talk to them, it's a lot of fun to get to catch up with them. But at the same time, yeah. it's tough because you see how bad they want to be back. And it's, it's different if there's something you can do about it. If it was about training hard or get, getting back from an injury and there's, you can see the return date, it, it's harder in this sense because there's nothing we can do about it. We're, we're living in a year that hasn't been seen and it's, it, it's hard to tell what comes next. So it's just so, so tough to, to see that. So speaking of the Bulldogs, some lighter news, some good news, I guess, for this year for the Bulldogs. Uh, Project Still. Steel. What do you think of those jerseys? I think they're sharp. I, like, I think those look Hamilton to a T. I love the look. What do you think of those? Love them. Love them. Um, Bruiser somehow broke into my house at Christmas and left <laughs> yeah. one under the tree. I'm still I've seen that. We're yeah. still trying to figure out how he got in here, but uh, those jerseys are just tremendous. And I really want to give a shout out to uh, Storm Harding, who does an unbelievable job with designs. And I mean, that guy is just such a mind. But um, the, the Project Stealth is exciting for us. It's exciting for the players there, dying to wear them. And they, they really take me back to the early 90s, being a Bruins fan of the Blacks. Yeah. And they've got the black socks to go with it. And it just, it looks so cool. And when you go out on the ice and you're wearing that all black with the gray, you're going to look bigger. And there's an intimidation factor to that, that I think this team is going to embrace because they want to be the guys that stick their head out above the rest of the pack. And I think these jerseys are going to be emblematic of that. It fits the city too. It fits the identity of Hamilton as well to a T. Oh, absolutely. Those, the, the, the dark colors that get you going and it's just, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Like the Hamilton Ticats. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah and well, they are keeping the... jerseys are underrated that they yeah. wore the one year. 
I, I, I got to believe that we're going to see those come back again because okay, of how popular yeah. they were. Yeah. Um, I don't know that. Don't quote me on that. I don't know that for sure. Yeah. But with the response that we got to Ticats Day, I got to imagine that we'll see that happen again because everybody loved those. The players loved them. The Ticats loved them. Uh, Simone Lawrence was next to me in the booth jumping around like a <laughs> nice. crazy person when we scored. Um, he did color commentary with me for – Half of a period, and he was How just was oh, I loved it. He's still <laughs> learning the game, and he is just going bonkers at everything. He's calling out the refs. He's cheering for the goals. <laughs> I mean, I you know I need him to call. I just need him to call me every morning for a for a wake, wake up. He gets you going, man. You uh, you should have had your alarm. You should have set your alarm. Get a uh, Simone to do a recording for you. I might do that actually. I might give him <laughs> a shout awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking oh, of back to uh, Arthur Callie of the tape job, big question. What's that? What's your opinion on that? The tape job? Have you saw it in person? I mean, I I'm a fan of when I see a guy with a tape job like that, that means he's a goal scorer. Any, any player, like any skilled player with a crazy tape job means you're good. And I just wonder what you think of that. Yeah. Uh, the first time I saw it, I stared at it in the hallway for five minutes. Um, <laughs> and the more you get to know Arthur Kaliev, the more it makes sense. And it's just, it's what Artie does. And uh, if, if it works, you don't stop doing it. You just keep going. Um, I don't know if he's actually said why he does that. Um, so I, I don't want to step on his thunder, but yeah. um, I, I think at some point, he's, I, I think at some point he's going to explain to the world what that is. Oh, for sure. You'll have to, and he's lighting up when he's lighting it up in LA. Yeah. Yeah. I think there are some people I think who know what it is and uh, I, I want him to be the guy to, to unveil. Yeah. That. yeah. Yeah, for sure. So stick with the OHL. You're obviously a huge Bruins fan. Uh, tough news with Zidane Chara, but great news with Patrice Bergeron. Um, former OHLer Jack Studnika. What's your expectations for Jack this season? Does he stick with the Bruins and where does he fit? Yeah, absolutely. He, well, he's going to open the season to the right of Patrice Bergeron, which is hilarious because when Patrice Bergeron was an 18-year-old, he opened his rookie season as a right winger that eventually obviously moved into center and has become a legend. Studnika reminds me so much of Bergeron, the mind for the game, the skills, even just the size and the way he skates. I think he's quicker, but it's it's so similar. And you look at the, the Bruins have been getting older. They started on the back end to incorporate the youth. David Krejci's contract is up at the end of the season. Jack Studnika is the future down the middle with this team. They've re-signed Charlie Coyle. So I got to believe that this is the grooming period where he's going to get his run with the big boys, with with Bergeron and Marchand. Uh, He's going to have a chance to prove he's a top six forward. And then the Bruins have a great problem to figure out of where do you put him after that until you can slot him into that number two center role. I think what's going to happen is either Studnika or Craig Smith is going to move across the, the ice to the left, and the other one will take the right side of Charlie Coyle. Yeah, that's nice. Coyle pickup was big a couple of years ago as well. So they're in a tough division. How do you think they do? Um, that's, that's a tough one. I mean, there's so many rivalries that are going to get reignited in that division. I can't wait. I can't wait for Philly. That Philly Boston matchup just feels, I mean, Philadelphia is an underrated team. They're another top three, four team in that division. I mean, I can't wait for that. Well, and I'm playing outdoors too. That'll be even better. Yeah. Lake Tahoe. That's yeah. going to be, I can't that's, wait for that. 
Oh yeah. But when you, you look at the way that it's tough for me to, to predict because the way the Bruins have been built over the last 10, 12 years now has been from the back end out. You get the stud goaltender, the deep defense, and then worry about it up front. Well, with the changing of the guard in the back end and the signing of Craig Smith, the trade last year to get Andre Kasha, the development of Jack Studnika, now you've got four lines that look dangerous up and down, and it's the defense that is going young. Jakob Zaborl, Jeremy Lozon, and Erho Vakanainen are battling for two spots on the left-hand side. So that's going to be an interesting thing to watch. And then you've got Raskin Halak in the back. So you got to believe that, especially in a shortened season, those guys are going to sprint. And... Can Lozon and Zaboral, or if Vakanainen gets in, can one of those guys really run away with being a top four? If not, they've got the ammunition to be able to make a trade, but I think this was time to do it. They put a ton of assets into building up a, a stockpile on defense. You've eventually got to get a look at these guys, and all those guys have earned it. Yeah, yeah is that where sure. you look at the loss of Tory Krug as just, yeah, it sucked at the time, but now you look at where the Bruins are, um, building from and the de- defensive core that's going to come up. It's almost like, oh, okay, it would have been nice to keep them, but I like what we have coming. No, that one still sucks. Um, yeah, well, yeah. Tory Krug was my favorite player uh, since Ray Bork, so that one, oh, geez. Wow. That one hurt. Um, I can see why they did it. Um, I, I don't necessarily agree on Krug. I, I more understand why it was time to move on from Chara to younger players. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he, it really slowed down by the, the return to play last year. And I say that with all the love in the world for big Z, but uh, I would have liked to have kept Krug, but at the same time, I can see it too, because Krug and Grizzlick back there, not that they're the same player at all, but if you're going to go away from Chara, you got to backfill with some size and if you were going to roll with Krug, Grizzlick, and Clifton all in the lineup at the same time, that's three defensemen under 5'10". And that's, that's a tough ask. That, I, yeah. I don't mind it because of the speed and transition, but that's a tough ask. One of those guys is going to have to log heavy penalty kill minutes. And I, you know, none of those three would really be my first choice. Yeah, for sure. Well, we have a big uh, fantasy draft tonight, so that's good. Uh... Any advice on who to pick for uh, Boston? Oh, Late boy. Rounds? Late rounds? Late I rounds? Bergeron. I have Bergeron. Okay, late rounds. Um, I would definitely, if you can sneak Craig Smith in somewhere, um, he's, he's going to produce. And Andre Kasha, he had one assist in six games after he came over last season. Uh, he was coming off an injury. He's now got a full camp next to Jake DeBrusque and David Krejci. Krejci's made a career of making ordinary wingers look extraordinary. And he's now got a winger in Kasha that has extraordinary talent. So I think he might be the kind of guy that late in, in, a, in a draft you could pick up and steal under the radar. On the back end, um, Jakob Zaborl, if he sticks, is going to get some power play time uh, because you just can't keep running the horses of McAvoy and Grizzlick into the ground. And that power play is always good. That's good to know. Reed, right. hey, uh, Reese, Reed Duffy is the new, like, wisdom, uh, yeah, wisdom counselor for yeah. the 0-60. <laughs> love, right. love it. Thanks. Love it. <laughs> I, I love that title. All right, I'll take it. Thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah. Got a T-shirt coming your way. Perfect. I'll wear it with pride. 0-60, 60 uh, guidance counselor. <laughs> Do you golf, Reed? Yes. 
Oh, that would be an awesome sandbagger. Sandbagger, man. <laughs> that would be an awesome Jeez. golf time. Oh. Got to fix your slice first, Colin. Yeah, I do. I got to fix a lot more than that, fellas. I, I, <laughs> I golf, but I don't do it well. <laughs> hey, I, I rush too much. That's my problem. When I rush, I'm terrible. I got to oh, get yeah. a shot. I'm get, I'm get out there with Reese because sometimes, like, when we're in the middle of a battle against someone, he'll, he'll tell me what to do. Like, be quiet here. Like, focus on your shot. And then I'm good. But when I get on my own, I'm in trouble. Yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, Reed, uh, great time. Very good talk. Uh, we appreciate you doing this. Um, yeah, thanks, Reed. Again, the waiting game sucks, but uh, I'm sure we'll figure something out, whether it's 24 games like the WHL is doing or if there's some way that there's a bubble like the Quebec League is doing. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, hopefully it begins soon. But uh, for now, Reed, uh, we thank you for this and uh, look forward to chatting soon. Thanks very much, guys. It's always a pleasure. I'm, I'm happy to come on anytime and uh, keep the faith. We're, we're going to get there. We're going to get yeah. there. It's around the corner. That was Reed Duthie, the voice of the Hamilton Bulldogs on TSN 1150 and CHML. They split radio broadcasts throughout the season. And thanks to him for joining us, giving a little insight on Arthur Kaliev, Jan Mishek at the World Juniors and uh, the Boston Bruins. As Wings yeah. fans... We're okay with it because they're not in the same division and they will hey, not play each other this year. There's I no- lucked out with that this year. Eh? What's that? I lucked out with that this year. Yeah, I know, eh? My yeah. house isn't divided as much now. Yeah, yeah, it's all right, eh? Yeah, that's um, all right. You don't have to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Time for a break. When we come back, we uh, got to update everyone on how the Muskegon Lumberjacks are faring in the USHL as – we get jacked. Uh, flaunt continuing to flaunt our flannel and get jacked and having some fun <laughs> with a team down in the States while there's no OHL hockey. What are you laughing One, one of these times I'm going to come on the show and you're just going to – like so before we, our mics are on, all you're going to see is me and flannel and like the cover-ups oh, and everything. Just <laughs> for the playoffs, we'll start wearing flannel. Flannel for this flannel. show. I do. Oh, okay. It'll be awesome. All right. Yeah, we'll uh, update you on them and uh, get you out of here on a Wednesday here on the Own 60 Podcast. This is the Owen 60. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Owen 60 Pod for all the latest updates and news from around the OHL. Welcome back to the Owen 60 Podcast with Colin Ward. I'm Reese Dumaney and Time for an update on the Muskegon Lumberjacks in the USHL. It's time to get jacked. <laughs> Fly your flannel. Oh, yeah. 17 games played so far for the Jacks. They are 10-6-1 on the year. They have 21 points sitting in third place in the Eastern Conference in the USHL. They are behind the Chicago Steel, who sit at 13-3-2 with 28 points, and then the Green Bay Gamblers, 11-3, 0-2, because they do that four-category stuff with shootout losses as well. Uh, They have 24 points, and then Muskegon down there at at 21. Recent scores for the Lumberjacks, as my page should refresh. Let's go. There we go. So this past week, and we'll talk about the 8th and ninth. they were in Green Bay for two. 
They defeated the Gamblers on January 8th in a shootout by final of 5-4. And so this was the thing that popped out to me was the attendance. And uh, even in the next game, a little bit higher. But um, 1,257 were at that shootout <laughs> loss uh, in Green Bay for the Gamblers. And then the next night, January 9th, Green Bay gets a little bit of revenge. They score the same amount of goals. Four goals, but Muskegon only scores two as Green Bay comes out with the win and the split. 1,587 fans were at that 4-2 Green Bay win. What a rank. That arena is very nice. It's nice. It's a good rank. You'll be impressed. Also, if you – so I checked out a game earlier, Muskegon and uh, Green Bay. They get the – they have the country radio. Yeah, they have – what a name, eh? That's not bad. Oh, that's pretty nice. Yeah. yeah. It kind of resembles Windsor. Yeah. A little bit. Cause you got the suites right above the seats and it's, that, yeah. that And you got the high section at the end. Yeah. That kind of, yeah. that reminds Real me of Windsor. Windsor. I wonder if that's what the Americans look at when they're like, Oh, it's just junior hockey. Who cares? And then they look at London's rank and they're like, um, what? <laughs> that's kind of the same here. I'm like, I didn't expect it to be this big of a building in the USHL. You know, it yeah. is the, it, that league is starting to grow and get a lot of respect. So, well, I mean, they're producing a heck of a yeah. lot of players. So that this really shouldn't be a surprise. I'm just, this is a nice building. Yeah, very nice. All right. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice one. Yeah. Yeah. So Muskegon, they That's sit four, in third. That was like four, two, and one then. Since the effect. I Since believe the effect started. Oh god! I think it's four, two, and one. Really, only four? As of now, as oh. of now, we had three. Now we have four. Man. Then the loss. So we had the OT loss. OT or shootout, one or the other. But it's four, two, and one yeah. as of now. Yeah. So about five hundred. Also, when you look at it, Muskegon chasing down Green Bay. Two of their next three games are against the Gamblers, but on home ice this time at Mercy Health Arena. But after they host Youngstown, they'll host Youngstown January 14th, Red Wings opening night. Let's go. Hey, now. Hey, now. Um, and then the 15th, they've got Still Green Bay it. at home, as well as the 16th, they also host Green Bay before making a trip to Plymouth and taking on uh, the U18 American team. Got to be a fun one. Yeah. So keeping an eye on it, the effect is going. Is, yeah, hey, we're over 500. Yep. Yeah, they <laughs> – Conclude their schedule. We got a long way to go. If there's no OHL hockey, we will be on full bandwagon. Um, For the playoffs? They officially cancel it. The Muskegon Lumberjacks finish their season April 24th. Hey, tough one if you're chasing down Green Bay. They face Chicago the last two games of the season. Ooh. Dang. Tough one, Nate. Beat Chicago already, though. Tough finish, but. Beat Chicago already. Handle the goose will be loose. Yeah, right. Yeah, the uh, Muskegon Lumberjacks beat the Chicago Steel five to four in overtime, December nineteenth, and only lost to them six five the night before. So, not bad. Best team against the third best team should be fun to end the season. Yeah, for sure. That is your Lumberjacks update. Now, time to get, get to Jack bought the flannel. <laughs> <laughs> after after every single time intro and post came, I think I got to say that. Oh, get jacked! Bought the point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, All right, every time now. 
time to get to a topic that uh, that we're kind of hoping for here in Ontario. The WHL announced, yeah. and there's no start date, but the WHL announced that they are committed to at least a 24-game season. Again, whether that ends up being more than 24 games, don't know. It could just be 24, or things could get worse, and they just say, no, this is a dumb idea. We're not going to do this. You know, nothing's really set in stone. But when you're looking at the chances of the Ontario Hockey League playing somewhat of a season, because if anyone's expecting what they had announced previously with the amount of games they were going to play and the playoffs and the Memorial Cup, that's, that's kind of unrealistic right now. Yeah, Memorial Cup is not happening. I, I doubt the Memorial Cup is happening. It's just too big of a risk. It's too hard yeah. to get it done. It's too hard to get it done right now on the timeline. The way it's going, everything t- is a tough transition right now. It's just, it'll just be uh, league championships, which is a great. It'll be great. It's fine the way it – that's fine. I think, yeah. for the OH, I think for the OHL to be like, hey, like how we discussed a month ago, a month and a half ago, a fact. But with the bubbles, <laughs> I think start – Obviously, Sarnia was a great uh, candidate. I thought Owen Sound was good. I kind of think Sault Ste. Marie would be good with North Bay right now. You mentioned North Bay, I believe. And those, I think those would be great because you're going to have to change the divisions. I think you do four, uh, four bubbles. You do the, you do the divisions. And then because 20, 24 games is not a lot. If you have a bad two weeks, you're done. If you have a bad two weeks, so let's say if you play three and three, six game, you play six games in two weeks and you go one and five, you're done. Yeah. It's very tough to get it back once you're down. That's the most interesting part about the 24 games. I think that would be very exciting to see because just because like, it's just going to be a battle. And I mean, if you have a bad stretch, it's over. So it's going to be a sprint rate from the start and Hey, we got hockey. That'd be awesome to have hockey junior hockey back. So. Yeah. And you look at the NHL and they've gotten permission to play in Ontario, despite Ontario going into a state of emergency and stay at home order. I yeah. Where's the no body contact? Um, yeah. And well, not even that is you're kind of looking at, will the OHL get help and who would it be from? Like, would it be from the government of Ontario? Would it be from the government of yeah. Canada? Like there were like, I, we probably brought this up at some point in the last few months. Would the NHL consider, helping them out and the NHL is not going to because they're no, losing a billion dollars. So yeah. Hey, that's an uh, interesting article. Eh? Yeah. In the athletic. That was interesting. Yeah. yeah. If anyone wants to check that out, the NHL <laughs> wouldn't oh, want to work there athletic, right now. Yeah. You're probably going to get fired, but uh, yeah. Losing a billion dollars. Eh? Yeah. Wow. Um, but it's. Leaves. It, I found it funny too. Lisa McLeod tweeting out, We've given the NHL approval to play games in Ontario with full rules and everything. It's Answer like, my of email. Of course, you're the first one to tweet that out. <laughs> Answer course. my email. Like, I don't yeah. know. I thought I, I'm not going to say anything about it. It's just a tweet. It's just her announcing something that was going to get announced by someone, anyways. But I found it hilarious that she was really one of the first ones to put that out and kind of explain. And my text messages just went off. But hey, mine hasn't. No, you didn't hear that. Ooh. I have it figured out. You don't. Hey, I'm ready then. This is blonde. <laughs> As I just take my um, hat off and show the blonde it's, hair. It's interesting to think because the WHL, it's a little bit easier. 
I don't know if it's easier, but to do it regionally, you've got the U.S. division. You can do BC Three teams, yeah. slash Alberta, or you could go sub- – like you could do province by province if you wanted to. I don't rec- – yeah. I wouldn't recommend it because Manitoba, you only have two teams. So, you know, yeah, I wouldn't really recommend that. But you could do Manitoba and Saskatchewan. You could do Alberta, B.C. or, you know, each yeah. other. And then the U.S. division, whereas in Ontario, you kind of – have teams that are centralized and you can kind of put them together. Like obviously Niagara, Erie, Hamilton, Mississauga, and I don't know, Oshawa, that would kind of make sense. Cause they're kind of yeah. all within the exception of Erie. Cause they're, you know, yeah, I would so far into Pennsylvania, but, um, and then you've got the other teams where it's Windsor, Sarnia, London, Kitchener, Owen sound. And I'm not including the American teams because they're, I, don't see a situation where they're playing this year in the league. I don't know. I just so you think it'll be like the American Hockey League, where like some teams have to combine. Yeah, that's t- that's tough. They're like you're at a point now where if you want the season to start within the next two months, American it, division like a there's bubble. A, there's at least got to be a yeah. You could do the three teams in the states, which is which is a lot better than not playing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's I just the only way a situation where they're playing in Canada. Uh, yeah, I think it's too big of a liability right now to have American teams share an arena with like another OHL team. I mean, it's hard. It's a can you imagine having not we talked about this all the time, but Niagara sharing an arena with uh, Erie? It's that would be very hard to do, yeah. in my opinion. It would be very hard to do. Yeah. Well, and you look at the situation with the Raptors and Lightning in Tampa Bay and how the Raptors have had limited amount yeah. of fans at their games. Well, they're not having fans anymore. <laughs> Because the Lightning and Raptors, for health concerns and safety reasons, they're just saying, we already have yeah. two here. That's enough player. And I understand an NBA roster is smaller than a NHL roster. But still, that's an extra set of players that are walking into the same building. And there's no need to bring fans in there, especially when none of the fans are probably Raptors fans anyway. So, Yeah, uh, they're just there to watch basketball. And probably, for the most part, they're there to watch the other team. Yeah, like when they were playing Boston, been... you had fans chanting, we want taco. Like, you're not in Boston, mm-hmm. and people are doing that. Yeah, and so that's, that's tough that's, to see. Not, it's like when the, it's kind of like when the Leafs go to Buffalo. Yeah. That's what it felt like. Yeah, but Leaf fans aren't, you know, other fans. <laughs> they're, they can get annoying. But Oh, for sure. Um, like the Jack Eichel celebration was the best celebration awesome. in the history. That's the best that celebration in the history of hockey. Other than other than Dylan Larkin's celebration on his first NHL goal. Yeah, that was sick. Against Toronto. Over Jonathan And Bernier. Jonathan Bernier. At Sniper. the Joe. Good times. Sniper. Back when we had the good goal song. Or the good, good, good goal, goal horn. horn. There we go. I can't get it right. Even the even the goal take song it easy, was Take it easy on me there, Matty Rowe. I know, you can, I know you're going to be picking on me about this, so I just want to say that now. Take it easy on me after hearing Very the goal true. horn song. I just can't get it right. I'm a blonde. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, – yeah, I'm, what would be an ex, 24 games is actually a, still a pretty decent amount of games. But yeah. it's a sprint. It's a fun sprint. No trade deadline. Yeah. I don't, you, you would have Let's to go. cut something. No trade deadline. Why would yeah. you need one for 24 games? You would almost have Time to do it. If you did do one, you would almost have to do it before the season started because, again, having players move teams midseason. I know it's a small risk, but it's still a risk of 
bringing something from one locker room. Yeah. To so yeah. it almost has to be before the season starts, make your trades, and then we're cutting it off as soon as the puck drops. You get a three – well, the month. You get the month. You get the first month, get it going. You get the two weeks. Then, the, yeah, you get the two weeks after, and then yeah. you get it going. Yeah, so. It'd be interesting. I expect the OHL, though, to follow suit with something close to that if they yeah. plan on getting a season because you're not going to get more than 24 games. Yeah. Well, I think twenty-four the, games. Eh? The thing about that is that's the state of emergency. What it's going to be twenty-eight days. Yeah, they're not going to start before then, and not then you're going to have to have at least a month for quarantine or training camp or some sort of thing. Unless you go the NHL route, where eh, you have two weeks, get ready and get on the ice. Yeah, get going. Probably. Uh, I mean, they're kids, right? They're going to have their rosters basically set. Yeah. So yeah, you could possibly do that. Yeah. Be interesting to see. We'll know more. I mean, every I mean, two weeks from now when we're back, we might we honestly may possibly hear something about the season. Yeah. Probably maybe not. I would probably a forty percent chance we hear something, fifty or sixty percent chance we odds maker. Yeah. Oh man, I'm a huge odds maker. Huge odds maker. Nice. That a boy. As in our uh, math guy though. What's that? Kind of have to be a math guy, though. Yeah, I'm not. Math. No. But, <laughs> anyways, we yeah, shall play see. Play the horn. Yeah, we got, uh, we got time, I guess, until, yeah. The I mean, OHL season is still. Can't, yeah, you can't give a timeline when you honestly have no idea. Yeah. But be interesting. Yeah. And, uh, by the way, for anyone that didn't pick up on what Colin said, we are back to every other week just because – we would run out of crap to say, and who knows, yeah. in two weeks, we could very well have nothing to say at all. There could be nothing going on whatsoever. Muskegon Lumberjacks. It might as well Hopefully be a Mus- some- Yeah, it might as Hopefully. well be the Jackson 60 now. Like, oh, Wings. Like, <laughs> might as well be, but uh, who knows? The there Jack- might be news. There might not hey, be. Some hope, maybe, maybe knock on wood some player guest again, go on a run. Yeah, we could see. Um, we could later. update. Could update you on OHLers in the NHL, like especially Zade Wisdom. Oh. I heard he's thriving in Philadelphia right now. Oh. Um, yeah, my field yeah, on Zade. place in LA. Like we could, we could even do that. We could just do an update and where even the World Junior players or OHLers who played in the league last year yeah. uh, are doing in the OHL, and even there looks like they're going to be allowed to play in the AHL this year until they start back in the CHL. Yeah. I wonder if that change – I'm kind of worried that change is a thing to let guys play in the American Hockey League. I'm kind of worried about that. But hopefully uh, hopefully they have good seasons. And yep. I mean, Zade Wisdom's looked very impressive for uh, – Yeah, playing with Claude Giroux already. Yeah. Yeah. Wiz is good. Wiz is good. Name bracket finalist. Yes. Well, shout out to uh, the name bracket champion, the Swiss Slugger. who had a great tournament for the Swiss. Yeah, Giancarlo yeah. Shanton. The Swiss slugger. No. Yeah. Get out, ball. Play the wings, goal horn. The difference yeah. is Giancarlo Shanton doesn't strike out. Stanton does. He hits bombs from the point. Ooh, I like that. It's hitting bombs from the point. I like Get him on. Get him on here. Might have to. Play some wee baseball. Ooh. Ooh. Man. Instead of the sandbagger, we do, yeah. uh, do the wee baseball tournament. We baseball. Team. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, it would. All right, we're out of here. We will uh, play the chat next week.
the, the week after. I already Two weeks. Got used to it. Two weeks. We'll see you then. <laughs>